This episode was sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to episode two of RMV. Hey guys, I hope you're all doing well today. And today's episode is super special and it's one that Varsha and I have been looking forward to a long time. Yeah, I'm so excited to be honest. Like we haven't had anyone else like big, big like you on our podcast so far. So I think it should be very interesting and very exciting and very fun. Um, so we have a guest all the way from Canada. Here is Miss Hira Hyder, a celebrity journalist. So Ms. Hira is a journalist, a life coach, and a motivational speaker. So I just wanted to ask, when I was researching about you, Ms. Hira, um, I found out that you attended uh, University of Sharjah. So I wanted to ask, what was the experience, like, what was the experience like? Okay, so first of all, you guys, I'm like a friend to you. I'm like an older sister. Don't call me Ms. Hira. Call me Hira or call me Hira Didi. That's what all my younger Indian cousins and friends would call me. It's like family. And you guys are doing a wonderful job. And I was very excited to come onto your platform because I personally encourage young girls as much as I can to, you know, go for it, go get their dreams and uh, make a difference through their words. So I'm more excited than you guys are to be on this show. Um, so my experience at the American University of Sharjah, now see, the thing is that um, university is a time in your life that you wish would just go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. You never want it to end. And uh, I was very privileged because I was in one of the top 10 uh, schools in all of the Middle East. And uh, the American University Sharjah is an accredited university. It's recognized worldwide. So it was a brilliant institution where I got to polish my skills as a journalist. Uh, apart from that, of course, I got to make lifelong friends. Um, I had very beautiful and wholesome experiences with my extracurriculars as well. You know, I was vice president and editor-in-chief of the university's newsletter. Um, I was vice president of the Pakistani Cultural Club. Uh, we used to do so many brilliant events um, in collaboration with the Indian Cultural Club as well. And we would be like, damn, man, these guys can dance. <laughs> that is one thing we can never beat them in. You know, the, the yeah. decorations and stuff. You know, we would always get prizes for that, the Pakistani Cultural Club. But for the dancing, we'd be like, it's theirs, it's theirs. <laughs> Just let them have it. Um, yeah. So it's a very beautiful experience. But of course, I had my fair share of challenges as well because it was a very exorbitant university and uh, I come from a very modest family you know uh, my dad has always believed in earning his money in a very honest manner uh, mm -hmm. unlike how things are in today's day and age you know a lot of things happen where people are dishonest um, in their business or in their work ethic but uh, my father said that that is the kind of an environment that I want to give my family and my children. I want to teach them how to be honest earners. So because of that, our family had a very modest earning. And uh, despite being raised like princesses, there was a time in my family's life where 
we had a severe financial crisis and I had to drop out of AUS, my mm -hmm. university, for a year. And that was a very dark time. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can relate to my story in today's day and age yeah. during the pandemic, because a lot of students have had to drop out of university. They've had to take breaks. And to whoever that is listening to me out there right now, I just want to let you know that God has these wonderful, unimaginable plans for us. And I would have never thought that after having to drop out of university, I would spend a year. I went to Pakistan, tried to get admission into a university there, one of the top schools, but due to a couple of, um, I mean, technical issues, I wasn't able to because my education was all done in Dubai. So, you know, some requirements did not fit for Pakistan. So with a broken heart, when I came back to Dubai, I actually started teaching in a school. Um, it was a very prestigious school, GEMS uh, International. In fact, I was only 21, 22. So my students wouldn't call me Miss Hira. They would call me Hira Didi. And that's when the <laughs> principal would sit and he'd be like, so they call you Hira Didi, but you're their teacher. I'm like, you know, it's, it's a beautiful relationship because I teach them, but then I'm like a sisterly figure. And uh, that phase of my life, you know, those young girls, I always pray for them that may God bless them with endless happiness because they were my rays of sunshine. And uh, when I went back to AUS on a scholarship, which was a real privilege, it's difficult. It's, it's a very, very difficult university yes. to get an admission and yet get like a scholarship. Wow, that's just something. So um, again, God's plans. So when I went back to that university, I would always tell all of my friends that, you know, you guys are whining that you have to study, you have to do midterms, you have to do all of this. And, you know, once, when it's taken away from you, then you'll realize the true value of studying, of attaining an education. So that one year of my life really taught me a lot. And uh, yeah, it's just, I miss my university life every <laughs> single day. Oh, wow. That's such a cool experience and very uh, ins inspiring. Uh, Varsha and I are going to go to college in uh, two years. One, uh, we're going to be seniors next year, so the year after. So we're really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, so I, I was actually wondering, like, why did you start journalism? Like, did you always have, like, this passion from you when you were young? So I started talking when I was 10 months old. And my mom would be like, okay, <laughs> she's my first kid. Is this really supposed to happen <laughs> when she's 10 months? And she was like, yeah. what is going on here? But yeah, um, so I, I started speaking properly. Uh, I used to form my words by the time I was 11 months. And by the time I was 12 uh, months, a year, I was singing nursery rhymes. I was forming full oh. sentences. So I think that speaking power is just a blessing from God. So that was mm -hmm. something that was always there. And uh, apart from that, I always remember that I used to love doing English, you know, English mm -hmm. homework and English classes. So that was always a thing. Uh, I used to write very often in my journals. Um, you know, I still have my diaries from when I was a 16 year old and oh my God, they're the most dramatic things, you know, no star plus <laughs> drama can, no star plus <laughs> drama scripts can beat the, whatever I've written in those <laughs> diaries. So yeah, I would give any hum TV drama um, 
a run for their money. But uh, apart from that, I would also really enjoy, you know, um, writing news articles for my English mm -hmm. classes. And in grade 11, I studied in Cambridge International, which was affiliated with Cambridge in London, that in the UK. Um, I had a brilliant, brilliant English teacher. Her name was Ms. Veronique. And she made me realize my passion for English, you know, and I actually still have my grade 11 English notebook uh, with me from my classes because, you know, that's where I realized that I have a passion for making a difference through my words. Um, so that was just where it struck me that, you know, I have to drop the concept that maybe I might go into the... Um, the regular business or advertising mm. or that kind of yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, then I was like, it's gotta be journalism. And uh, another thing was that if it is journalism, it doesn't necessarily have to be hard news, you know, where you're reporting on TV um, at a news desk and that kind of a thing, crime reporting. Uh, so I'm more into the soft journalism side. And I feel like we need a lot of individuals who have studied journalism to responsibly address the topics that are often brushed under the carpet. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I, I, you, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's really unique that you chose journalism because not many like students uh, take that as a career like in this day and age. So it's like really inspiring that you uh, study journalism yourself. So. Yeah, I was, yeah, I have a question about like uh, public speaking. Um, for me, like public speaking is, is one of this. Uh, from when I was young, I was always a shy person. So like public speaking always, uh, I'm always scared of that. And like, you know, starting this podcast was like also a very, you know, kind of scary thing for me to do. So do you have any tips on like public speaking, how we can you know, improve on that? Well, I'm very proud of you because you're doing a fantastic job mm -hmm. right now. Really, thank you. And, thank you. Uh, see, you're you're already conquering the first mountain that there is to public speaking, which is uh, building this confidence. You have to be confident in what you're saying. You need to have faith in what you're saying, and I think that's why I chose journalism because the topics that I address, I'm very passionate about them. So when you are taking a public speaking course or when you are in a debate make sure that the topic that you are choosing is something that you strongly feel for. I mean, I am sure that if I were to speak on something like the importance of statistics and math, I would not be able to do it yeah. as well as I would be able to do it on something like mental health because see, I'm passionate about it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so number one. And number two, um, it's always very important for girls, especially, I don't want to stereotype. I know some guys are also very self-conscious mm -hmm. of the way that they look, but it's very important for girls who have been kind of brainwashed from generations to generations that you're supposed to look a certain way. You know, mm -hmm. you need to have your hair, makeup, eyebrows, contour, whatever you want to call it, on point. Trust me, when I started my career as a journalist, as a live talk show host at the age of 19, I was still studying journalism full-time. I was a student. So it was live. It wasn't even recorded. So any little mistake, it was just, you know, people would grab onto yeah. it. But the thing yeah. is that your focus should be here, your mind. Mm -hmm. It should not be your face. It should not be, where's my hair going? Where's my, how are my clothes looking? How's my yeah. makeup? No. 
When you are public speaking, you focus on the message that you want to put forth out there. And if you want to get onto the technical side of things, it's very, very important to have an outline. I mean, um, despite me being in the field of media for the longest time now, it's been what, seven, eight years, I still make it a point to have a little notebook. I'm a little old fashioned that way. <laughs> and to jot down notes, uh, the points that I want to address. So um, being organized in public speaking is also very, very important. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to improve my public speaking skills. And I think I have to certainly like, when I was younger, I'd be scared for, you know, like small things like school presentations and doing like, you know, those type of things. Uh -huh. But now I'm better at it. And, you know, I'm still working up to, you know, uh, going up in front of people. So, yeah. Definitely try taking up some courses as well, professional courses. Mm -hmm. They really help. They'll give you some brilliant tips and tricks. Yeah. So this is a random question, but uh, what was it? So um, University of Sharjah is located in Dubai, right? So I just wanted to ask, uh which place do you like more like canada or dubai okay so dubai has a piece of my heart and it always will be home to me the way how i feel in dubai i cannot feel that way anywhere else in the world but um of course postgraduate it's been four years since i graduated from the american university of georgia and what i've learned is that See, I feel like your life starts after you graduate from university. You actually step into adulthood then. Um, there's a bubble that you kind of pop and you get out of. So when I had that bubble pop, <laughs> um, what I learned was that Dubai is kind of like a mirage. You know, it's great from the outside. It's all, you know, how you say in Hindi, it's all chamak tamak. It's all glittery and gold, but... Uh, there are a lot of things that I do not like about Dubai with regards to, in comparison to how things are here in Canada. And to be very honest, I mean, being a Canadian citizen, obviously the rights and the privileges that I have as a citizen, it's incomparable to the privileges that I could ever have in Dubai. So, you know, in Dubai, you always feel like you're kind of like a guest, but in Canada, you feel like um, you are you're allowed to demand for your rights. That mm -hmm. kind of a thing. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, what, what was your favorite thing to do in Dubai? I've never been to Dubai and I always okay. wanted to go. I think Varsha, you've been to Dubai, right? Yeah. I've been to Dubai, but I only went for like just two days. We were like, we just had a stop over there for like just a day or two. I think it was just a day. So we were like disappointed because we actually, I didn't get to see the Burj Khalifa like close by. So we were like, so we went to the night safari like, and things like that. Yeah, but, like, the desert really safari. Like, yeah, so it was like 9 p.m. And like, everyone was like so tired. I was like dead. Like I couldn't even like move or walk <laughs> because I just had a long day. So um, like the taxi driver, like I want to step out or maybe you can see. So I just saw it from like a distance, like through the window, but I didn't really get to, you know, just go there and like maybe like touch it or like go inside like I never got the opportunity so yeah so I, I, yeah so I just wanted to ask like how is the Burj Khalifa site and yeah so um well to go back to the previous question my favorite thing to do in Dubai to be honest uh, when you've lived in a city um I, I mean I don't want to say all the touristy stuff that you know like how you just mentioned the Burj Khalifa for us it's just like oh hey look there's the Burj oh hey look there's a big one there's a small one 
So it's not a big deal. I mean, we we go to Dubai Mall every weekend. We'd be like, you know, if there's a family member who's come from like the States or Canada or India or Pakistan, they'd be like, oh, we want to go see the water show. And we'd be like, again, <laughs> so many times. Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, I personally, you know, what I miss the most about it is just that feeling of home. I mean, I miss the little things. I I miss the Malbari ki kadak chai. Um, I miss the scent of, you know, oud, wherever anybody would go, you would just smell it or or just the sound, the gurgling of the shisha in the cafe. <laughs> and just um, having all my friends, you know, I really miss my social life in Dubai because if I would ever step out, never would there be a point where I wouldn't meet someone who doesn't know me or who I don't know. Like you have to meet someone who you know in Dubai without planning, uh, that kind of a thing. But um, it's the little, little things that I miss about it. As for the Burj Khalifa, you know, um, I think my most magical Burj Khalifa moment was, uh, I think it was the year 2013, was it? Or 2014? Yeah, somewhere around that time. So uh, when I used to host my own live TV show, I used to also mm -hmm. go and cover it uh, basically events in Dubai as well so I got to go to the Burj and cover the New Year's Eve fireworks and I think that was a really magical moment for me wow. uh, because you know it was like it was like my city and my Burj Khalifa and my <laughs> dream coming true where I'm taking interviews and just uh, spreading joy so I think mm -hmm. that was my most magical Burj Khalifa moment amazing yeah, yeah that's, that's so amazing. cool yeah yeah um, so uh, moving on, an interesting thing that caught my eyes that you actually hosted the red carpet of Hum TV Canada. Is that right? Yeah. So how, words. Yeah. So how was your red carpet experience? How was that like? Uh, that was a Cinderella moment, minus the Prince Charming. <laughs> Prince Charming. You know, well, yeah. that, that's going to happen, you know, you know, that will happen in its day and age and its destined time, that whole Shah Rukh Khan moment where, you know, <laughs> Judy gets stuck in like his Sherwan, something yeah. like that. But um, I, I really want girls to know that your Cinderella moment doesn't need a Prince Charming. It could be just your dreams coming uh, true, which was what happened with me. Um, it was a very exhilarating experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, it was just so amazing to see the brilliant actors that we see on our screen on a daily basis up in person and uh, where some celebrities really disappointed me, unfortunately, because of their negative and mm -hmm. haughty attitude. Some I actually ended up making friends with. Wow. So, <laughs> That's amazing. so a lot of, yeah. So I feel like in these celebrity events, a lot of drama unfolds in itself. It's mm -hmm. kind of like you're entering a drama, right? Yeah. When you're associating yourself with them. But it was it was really a beautiful experience. You know, I got to meet so many unique individuals. I got to hear things from their perspective. And um, pro tip, pro tip girls, if you ever go to cover an event, make sure you leave the six inches heels at home. Because by the end of the night, I was really hoping I would lose my shoes. Literally. Cinderella, wow. no Cinderella, just let the shoes go. But um, yeah, like one thing that again, I would want to put forth is that all this glitz and glamour that you see with celebrity journalists, it's all fun and games, definitely. And it's, it's a lot of excitement going on, but it's also a lot of hard work that goes on behind the scenes. Definitely. 
you know, behind all the makeup and designer clothes and designer shoes, there is a lot that you have, to, you know, you need a very strong personality to capture the attention of these celebrities and make sure that you ask them the questions that you know are going to make a difference to those individuals who are going to be listening to the answers. Yeah. So that's very, very important. You you know, like all of that glamour and beauty, gorgeousness, whatever you want to call it, it goes into the background. What Mm -hmm. stays, what sticks and what leaves your mark is your intelligence. And that's something that is very, very important that girls need to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to, so while I was also like, I was looking some more information, so um, I heard that you uh, interviewed Amitabh Bachchan and Mahira Khan. So how was that like for you? Um, so I'm going to start with Amitabh Bachchan because, oof, that was really something. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> that was really something because, see, the thing is that I'm a 90s kid, right? I'm a 90s baby. But despite that, uh, my family, we've always loved Bollywood a lot. And, I mean, I've seen movies from the time of Rajesh Khanna up till to date, even though I feel like Bollywood's kind of died down now, um, mm-hmm. kind of died yeah. down like a few years back. But the magic that still persists is like from Rajesh Khanna's time, then Amitabh's time, then Shah Rukh Khan's time, obviously. So I mean, it's like meeting Amitabh Bachchan, I think that was the only time I actually fangirled over a celebrity. Because, see, when I am there in my domain, I don't think of them as the celebrity who I have admired for their work. Their story for yeah. me. And I, and I have to get that story. You know, that's my job. Um, so I take them as, as a story, not as a celebrity. But with Amitabh Bachchan, you know, it's like when I met and when I went and I met him first, uh, first of all, He's so tall and I'm just like five <laughs> feet. So I was like, hi. And he was so sweet. You know, literally he treated me like a baby when he replied and when he was talking. But um, after the meetup, when the press conference started, there were some pretty ridiculous like questions which were being asked. I mean, um, I think people forget that these celebrities, they have so much to offer from their intellect so, you know, don't kind of go into the whole gossip fest thing. Just avoid that. So when Amitabh Bachchan kept saying next question, next question, I took that as a challenge. You know, I was like, okay, nobody's asking him anything smart. Um, there were a couple of questions which were very good, though, which he did answer. But then I was like, you know, hey, these are professional journalists. And so what if I'm just a second year university student, I'm still sitting here with a mic, mm-hmm. you know, so never, never um, let anybody make you feel inferior, by the way, have faith in your talent. And that's what happened mm-hmm. in that moment when I stood up and I started asking him, he was, he was leaning back, you know, how Amitabh Bachchan yeah. is cool way he sits, he's sitting like a boss. Yeah, he actually leaned forward <laughs> and he heard me out and he replied. And uh-huh. that was an honor for me. Why? Not because it was Amitabh Bachchan, but because of the fact that it was an intelligent, mature, experienced human being who thought that what I had to offer was something that was worth thinking about and responding to. Mm-hmm. So that was a moment of not only flattery, but it also encouraged me to, you know, um, always put myself out there no matter how shiny or overwhelming the superstar may be and uh, going on to Mahira Khan 
oh god it's like you're gonna meet a long lost friend if you ever meet her she's full of warmth full of love she's a beautiful human being inside and out and despite being the queen of hearts in pakistan and despite being i mean she's unmatched when it comes down to talent or i mean just i, I don't know how to describe her in words i'm always at a loss but the arrogance or the pride <laughs> that she should have people who are regular human beings have that in fact a lot of times whenever i've met mahira in person i've often seen her manager be very protective of her because mahira is just so sweet and so kind that you know she cannot say no to anyone she's a sweetheart <laughs> that way and of course the brilliant job that she's doing right now with mash and her platform and i often write my articles for them um i think that's a very necessary platform because it addresses a lot of things that are not addressed with regards to women's rights women's issues women's health so yeah i i think she's just doing the best that she can and there's no one like mahira and she gives the best hugs <laughs> that's amazing that's so cool i would be fan girling over them <laughs> um uh what's a celebrity that you dream to interview maybe in the future dream to interview oh okay that's a tough one you know i've always okay if i talk about if i talk about pakistani ones i would definitely say i would want to interview humayun said because he's mm-hmm. a king um humayun said and bushra ansari as well she's legendary um marina khan these are these are like the vet actors of our pakistani mm-hmm. entertainment industry um but if i would come down to bollywood obviously shahrukh khan <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely but um apart from shahrukh khan i would want to also interview govinda i've i'm a big govinda mm-hmm. fan mm-hmm. and uh i would also say amir khan amir khan and, <laughs> yeah i think amir khan more so because of the of the kind of a brain that he has you know i would want to pick at it and just mm-hmm. see everything that's going on inside of that brain um shahrukh khan because i feel like it would be wonderful to speak to him about love and mm-hmm. about just about how men should treat the women in their lives and govinda i think we need more people like govinda in our day and age <laughs> you know um i'll be very honest whenever my family were like really really down and uh we're just like bored we're going to probably just put on some random govinda movie and we can't help but laugh you know and it's not just because yeah. he's acting in a funny way it's because of how you are as a human so i think he's got a heart of gold so i would personally love to interview them that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah that would be like amazing cuz i can't like i just like the things like like all the interview like you know with the one with amitabh bachchan the one with mahira khan just i could only dream of meeting them So, oh. <laughs> amazing that you've got the you're like very lucky in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Keep dreaming, you never know. Yeah. Keep dreaming. Sure. Trust me, trust me. Keep dreaming. I never thought I could, but dreams come true, you know. Prayers, persistence and patience can make miracles happen. Never forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um you're also very popular. Um I think it's the Twitter interviews called Hira Hide Hira Hiders 7Qs. So you did a Twitter interview with Ali Zafar 4 years ago so that must have been wonderful cuz in the article I was reading 
uh, they said that he was your celebrity crush at the time. So <laughs> how was like that? How was it, the interview? Definitely. Uh, back in school, I think Alizafer was the only celebrity crush that I ever had, you know, and um, just his smile and his rock star vibe and his lyrics were inspiring. Um, but that was a very long time ago. Uh, the thing is that four years ago, so this was right after graduation, uh, when I tweeted that, you know, it would be a dream come true to interview him. And it was 4 a.m. in Canada when this happened. And I was just about to put my phone down and go to sleep when I saw the notification that he's replied. And Ali Zafar was like that, okay, sure, you know, seven questions right here, right now, go for it. So on the spot, literally on the spot, I prepared those seven questions and, you know, one after the other, I was tweeting them away. And that interview, that was like, that was my big break. That was my first big break because it was recognized internationally. Um, it went viral. There were over, I think, over 20 publications which wrote about it um, from India and from Pakistan, from Indian Express to GOTV. It, it, it was crazy. And after that, you know, I was like, okay, let's shoot some more interview questions away to other celebrities. Uh, mm -hmm. So then I started hitting home runs with other ones as well. And uh, I, I just I just remember something, you know, and I, I feel like that's something that I can never forget. Um, at that time, I didn't have a publication to send my articles to. And after a point, you know, I had this, I had this big chunk of interviews, which I didn't know who to give to or how to reach out. And then I had publications reaching out to me that could you please give us your interviews so that we can publish them. And that made me realize that when you are dreaming, dream limitlessly. Don't think of all the what ifs or buts or how is that even going to happen? Never think that way. Because, yeah. you know, it, it was never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that these big celebrities would have said yes to interviews done on Twitter. Um, but it happened. And, you know, I started writing for these amazing publications after that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people you know, give up after they think that they cannot achieve their dream and, you know, they decide to do something else because, you know, they think their dream is impossible. And, you know, that's, that's really sad and really, you know, sucks for them. So I think it's important to dream on and to, you know, aspire to like, you know, fight for yeah. your dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, do you think there's a such thing known as destiny? Yes, there is. Absolutely. And uh, you can change your destiny and you can do that through prayers and through good deeds. And I know that I did that for myself because if I did not have my, if I had ever placed my faith in people, I would have lost at life a very long time ago, but I never listened to the world. I never bothered to pay attention to them saying, no, Hira, you can't do this. Or no, Hira, this will never happen. I would always turn around and say, who are you to say no to me? You know, there's that one person, yeah. that one that one power, mighty individual up there who is, who is just watching over everything, who knows exactly what is going on in your heart and who has the power to, you know, from the rubbles, the deepest, lowest rubbles 
He can lift you up from there and place you amongst the stars. And I've seen that happen so much in my life that even in today, um, today's day and age, when I feel during the pandemic that, oh my God, you know, life's just, it's just stuck in one place. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm not being able to do everything that I wanted to do. And sometimes social media can be toxic. You know, all my friends yeah. are moving on with their lives. All these people who I know in my career are moving on with their lives. When I start thinking about all these negative things and it's very natural it happens you shouldn't be feeling guilty for it mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. when I am in that state of mind I always remember the miracles that have manifested before me mm -hmm. and that reinstates my faith and um, to be very honest I've had a really rough two weeks but then when your interview came my way it made me realize that okay this is my chance to you know um, gear up and you know these two adorable beautiful girls <laughs> are wanting me to, to respond to their questions and it goes to show that you know maybe somewhere somebody needs to hear everything that I'm saying mm -hmm. so it made me realize that okay you know God still has my back so it's okay if I'm at a certain low so you know these these little little things they're signs that God is taking care of you so it's very important to keep reminding yourself that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I also discovered that you have an Instagram celebrity interview series called uh, Dil Ki Baat. Um, what is it and what, why did you start it? And how is the series going? So I started the series uh, in June 2020. And I felt like that people needed something to lift their spirits up. Mm -hmm. And I've always made my platform about in inspiring people you know mm -hmm. I've always made it a point to give them the content which they can relate to and uh, this word influencer I really hate it mm -hmm. because I see a lot of influencers out there who are really um they're really affecting people in the most negative way I mean in a very materialistic kind of a manner you know um in a very fake kind of an image that they put out there. So I wanted that during the pandemic where everybody's mental health is deteriorating, let's talk about things which need to be spoken about. And what better way to do that than to talk to the celebrities which individuals look up to. So mm -hmm. that was my main aim for starting a celebrity series. And I was very fortunate because I have had the opportunity to speak some of the most brilliant minds in the Pakistani entertainment industry. And they have really resonated with a lot of individuals out there. Um, in fact, I was so privileged to have a lot of them say that, you know, this conversation actually ended up helping us because, you know, we don't really consider celebrities as human beings, but they too go through trauma. They too um, experience mental health illnesses so it was, it was really nice to see that real raw side of them through those interviews. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's, that's why I started it. That's amazing. Yeah, so I just wanted to ask, which celebrity have you interviewed um, in Dil Ki Baat was memorable or was special to you? Oh, that's a tough one. That is a really tough one. Um, well, I think the most memorable one has to be the last one that I just did. And that was with Masaret Mizbah, who is Pakistani philanthropist. And she's known internationally 
um, for the work that she's done for acid attack survivors and acid attack uh, burn victims. And just, just to be able to speak with her was, it was an honor. And I learned so much from her. Uh, one thing that I really learned from her was that if you are doing work for humanity, you really, really have to have a compassionate heart, number one. Number two, you have to practice a lot of patience. And the most important factor, number three, is that when you start mixing up your intentions of helping others with, I want to be famous, I want to get recognized, you will never achieve that respect that Masrat Mizbah has achieved in her life. She is such a humble individual and seldom does she demand for any kind of special protocol. And I feel like such people are the true angels on this earth who are doing justice to the causes that they are standing up for. So it has to be Masrat Mizbah for sure. She's, she's very close to my heart. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. I think acid attack, like it's been a common problem in India too. And I think there was one movie yeah. where uh, Deepika Padukone starred uh, in that movie as the main lead. And uh, it's about uh, Lakshmi, who was an acid, acid attack survivor. And yeah, like that topic really speaks to me because it, it makes me so sad. And it's like, uh, like, mm-hmm. can't even. Definitely. But yeah, like their stories, it's really like, brave and um, courageous, like to speak out. So I'm really, uh, I'm really glad that you got to talk to the, I think her name was Masarat Mizbah. Yeah. Definitely. You guys should watch that interview. It's very inspiring for sure. Like I was in awe yeah. while speaking to her. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so Ms. Kira, I mean, Kira, would you mind uh, answering some questions from our listeners? Of course. I would love to. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so at San Bapu asks, uh, have you ever seriously fangirled during an interview and have it show? No, I have not. Because like I said, that when I'm interviewing a celebrity, they are no longer a celebrity for me. They are a story. And that story mm-hmm. is something that I have to get. Um, I'm very professional with my work. Very, very mm-hmm. professional. Mm-hmm. Um, our next question is from at the Girly Girl podcast. What is a typical day like for you? Uh well, in a pandemic, it's our second <laughs> month in lockdown. So everything that I'm doing is from home. But um, you know what? I think I think Instagram Live has really helped a lot of journalists and storytellers out there to continue their work. And uh, I think the pandemic has also kind of pushed me to be my utmost creative self with regards to the content that I'm creating. Um, but apart from that, to be honest, um, since I'm very much into South Asian media, maybe Indian or Pakistani, Bangladeshi, anything that's South Indian, uh, South Asian, a lot of my work happens at night because it's daytime back home. Uh, so I being a night owl, that really helps. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm a very free-spirited worker and I don't take my work as work. It's, it's always an adventure for me. Um, so a typical day, even despite it being a pandemic is very busy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it was not the pandemic, usually in Toronto, it's summers, which are extremely busy because we have a lot of red carpet premieres, events, and I'm just out um, conducting interviews, covering news stories. So yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and the next question is from a little purse podcast. Oh, she actually has two questions. So the first uh-huh. question is, what's your biggest obstacle you've had to face in your like field? In my field, hmm. in my field, well, I am really happy that this question has been asked because in today's day and age, even today, in the 21st century, people assume that just because it's a girl, she's not going to take her job seriously. Or if it's a girl who loves getting dressed up or who's a little bubbly and, you know, lively and out there, which I am. Um, I love dressing up. I like looking groomed. Uh, I, I love talking. I'm a very social person. But usually people mistake that for somebody who is not serious. And uh, that is something that I really surprise people with. Um, I remember during my first job uh, as a live TV show host, um, I had my boss just say this, my producer just say it to me once that, oh, you know, when a song comes on, just dance a little bit. And I was like, no, I'm not here to (laughs) dance around. I'm here to conduct a talk show. I'm here to talk about smart things. And another thing that sometimes, um, unfortunately, living in a patriarchal society, and even more so, it's a dominant characteristic in the South Asian society, men like it when women dumb themselves down to make them feel comfortable. Not all men. Some men are Mm -hmm. very uh, respectful to women, and they think of them as an equal individual. But some, unfortunately, uh, get very complex. They feel very inferior. There's a strongly opinionated women talking, uh, especially in the field of media. So that was something as well that I had to experience that there were a couple of male um, co-workers who felt uncomfortable around me and they would try to put me down in their own way. But that is when you gracefully, in a very polite way, yet stirring way, set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned this at a very early age, at the age of 18, 19. Uh, and once you learn how to do that, you continue to do it. So some the lessons that I learned, number one, never dumb yourself down to make anybody feel comfortable. Uh, number two, if anybody is feeling insecure with uh, you being vocal about your opinions, try to understand how you can kind of understand them and perhaps break that ice. Because not it's not always that they're going to do it because they're a negative individual. Sometimes it's just going to be very different for them. Um, mm-hmm. So that, and yeah, de- like definitely for a woman, do not base your value on how you look. That's another thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great message. Um, yeah. That's like a really mm-hmm. good message. Like, especially in this day and age, like in the modern era too, because uh, most women like, um, in a lot of like traditional families, I, I feel like they're not um, able, like they don't have that much rights or like the freedom to go outside because most women are like, um, um, like in the house, you know, working. Like even I also feel like my mom too, like she, um, she graduated college and things like that. But like sometimes I feel like, you know, you should speak up, like speak up for yourself. Like mm-hmm. don't be like quiet and all like scared of my dad or anything. So I feel like that's like a really good message. Um, and I hope like uh, your words uh, inspired them to like speak out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the next question, the second question is, what's your uh, what's your favorite part of the job? What's your favorite part of your job? 
of my job. I love meeting new different kinds of people. I love it. Um, may they be the good kind or the bad kind because it's a big bad world out there and you need full exposure to good and bad people and what bad people will teach you, good people can never teach you that. Um, also, I don't know, I, I feel like just every individual is like a book for me, you know, and it really intrigues me that I'm able to read a couple of their pages when they speak to me, when they answer my questions as a journalist. And um, I feel very, very honored and very humbled that uh, I'm able to give them that sense of comfort that yes, you can share this with me. Uh, because I mean, journalists can be pretty disgusting at times. Um, they can really put a spin on some very sensitive issues, on some very sensitive statements, phases of a celebrity's life and use it to their privilege. I mean, um, I know for a fact that I have a lot of friends from the Pakistani entertainment industry who trust me with these really big secrets of theirs or just things which are personal. And sometimes uh, I'm very astounded that I mean, oh my God, they shared it with me. And I feel very honored that they can trust me. So yeah, that's that's also a very heartwarming feeling when you can, when you know that somebody can trust you. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's something really nice. Mm -hmm. uh, we have one more question at Harshi Vivi. Um, what courses should you take or do when you want to study journalism? If someone wants to pursue the journalism career? Okay, um, so I was a part of the British system, so which is completely different from the Canadian oh, yeah. or American schooling system. But uh, the subjects that I took for my IGCSEs were, um, well, it was like business, economics, environmental science, and that I just took as a backup plan. Otherwise, the subjects that I focused on, of course, was English as a first language, literature, drama, um, yeah, basically these. And they did, really did help me because in high school, that helped polish the core um, abilities that I had to become a journalist. Mm -hmm. And then of course, when I got into university, I right away enrolled in the mass communication program. And then I chose to specialize in journalism. So I guess regardless of whichever system you are a part of, may it be the British, the American, the Canadian, uh, I think you really need to focus on the fact that if you want to go into media and journalism, first and foremost, your language needs to be exceptionally strong. You yeah. got to work on that day and night. And I always say that read, read as much as you can. And you know how JK Rowling says that if you don't like reading, it means you haven't found the kind of book that will appeal to you. Yeah. So read as much as you can. That's going to not only let you explore uh, various styles of writing, but it will also increase your vocabulary. Um, take English courses, creative writing courses, you know, they can be mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Um, that and okay. also read up on different kinds of journalism. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. And it's not all fun and games. It's not yeah. all glitz and glam. So be ready for the hustle. Yeah, I feel like every job, like journalism also, it's like not easy. Like if you take, if you take a look at any job, like it's not easy. Like all jobs have like its own hardships and you just need to learn how to like deal with it and things like that. So nothing is easy. Definitely, definitely. 
Yeah, so the last question is uh, from KK Komoto at Keith, actually from my best friend. Um, and she asked, what is your favorite part of interviewing others? For example, do you like the part of listening to their ideas or interacting with people? Hmm. Well, interacting, it's a given. I will be interacting with them if I am asking them questions. But just listening to another individual's point of view, um, especially an individual who has seen so much, I feel like in all kinds of fields, yes, people have different experiences, but the field of media, it's a whole other ball game, whole other ball game. And just the different kinds of experiences that these individuals have, not just during their own journey as actors or filmmakers or storytellers, mm -hmm. but also because you know, the stories that they experience of others on a daily basis. For example, if you're an actor, you're going to be playing tons of characters and that adds to your intelligence. It adds to your experience. So when I ask these celebrities questions, I make it a point that I also ask them questions according to the projects that they have worked in. For example, if I'm asking an actress um, who is playing a victim of domestic violence, you know, it necessarily doesn't have to mean that she's ever experienced it in real time. But, I mean, she is experiencing it through her work. So what does she have to say about it? So that is something that I really enjoy, that there are layers and layers of ideas that I can bring forth and mm -hmm. just start narratives and start conversations which are not given the attention that they deserve. Even mm -hmm. when we have so many platforms. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it's not glamorous right so it doesn't yeah. sell that kind of a thing yeah. yeah I actually have one question is um how do you deal with um anxiety and stress like mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah how how do you uh what are some tips for others like uh, who get really stressed or get really get anxiety for like the next day Okay, uh, so this is a difficult question because every individual is a different human being. So first and foremost, if you feel like your mental health is deteriorating to the point that it's getting out of control, please go seek professional help. Just how you would get a bronchitis cough, you would go to the doctor, right? I mean, with a normal cough, you would probably just end up getting on a tablet or a syrup and it would go away. But when it's a bronchitis cough, you need a legit doctor. Yeah. So if you feel like your anxiety, your depression, it's getting out of control, please seek professional help. It's mm -hmm. very, very necessary. Yes. Um, but as an individual, I mean, something that really helps me, I'm very spiritual. So my, my faith really grounds me. And uh, apart from that, talk to someone, you know, do not keep your feelings bottled up. Find somebody who you can trust, a parent, sibling, a friend, reach out to them, talk to them. And you never know, maybe you're reaching out to them is going to make them open up. Because often, you know, we live in a world, um, especially in the world of the social media um, facade going on, that everyone's life is perfect. You know, you choose what is going up in that specific square, regardless of whatever's been going on behind the scenes. So when you share your problems with somebody else, they realize that they're going through the same thing that I am. And sometimes when these conversations happen, you feel a whole lot better just by talking it through. Um, another thing that helps me is journaling. Mm -hmm. 
I, I write mm -hmm. a lot, like, you know, a lot. And it's just random thoughts. It's just me literally pouring my heart out into my journal. And uh, another very important thing is that please educate yourself about anxiety. And you will find a lot of good tips and tricks online on how to control it. Um, on how to understand what the problem is. Till you don't understand what the problem is, you cannot find a solution. Yeah. yeah. So basically that is, in this little time, that's all that I can say about yeah. that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's very helpful. That's For any of our listeners listening, please go educate yourself. <laughs> so I had one last question. So I had a really amazing time with you, Kira, like this interview, I'm really like lucky enough to like interview you and I honestly had an amazing time. And so my question was, um, so you've interviewed like many millions of celebrities. So I just wanted to ask, who's your role model? My role model? <laughs> That's a tough one. I feel like I can't say a celebrity is my role model because I don't know them well enough. Mm -hmm. And I cannot idealize anybody until unless I don't know all shades and yeah. you know all their shades all their different personalities that there is but I would say that my biggest role model is my mother I know it sounds cliche but I would say that because without her I wouldn't be sitting here I wouldn't be the girl who I am today she's been my support system she's been the one she's literally she's my best friend she's my soul sister she's my therapist she's my work manager <laughs> um, she advises me for everything and anything out there and i think uh it's made me realize that if you've got something good going on with your family then you can sail through any tornadoes as if it's just like a little gust of wind so definitely <laughs> it's got to be my mom you know for mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Hira. Um, I honestly, this is very, like, you were really inspirational to me too. And I'm like, again, I'm so glad that I got to interview you. Um, and honestly, I will never, actually never forget this episode because I haven't, <laughs> haven't like recorded an episode like this. It's amazing. Like, I think this was like my favorite episode like so far. And yeah, like this episode will be forever here in my heart. And I hope we can meet like person to person in the future, like maybe after this pandemic is over. I really hope so. If you guys ever come down to Toronto, let me know and we'll meet over pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I love pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, as Marcia said, yeah, this is probably my favorite episode too. I learned so much. There's so much uh, inspirational uh, uh, things you gave. So it's like, this is one of my favorite episodes for sure. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you guys for having me. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a brilliant job. Thank you. <laughs> so as always, thanks for listening to this episode. And today's active listener shout out goes to at Turpies Corner. Email us megaversion2020 at gmail.com for questions and requests. Head on over to our website, uh, megaversion.com to learn more about us. Yeah, so make sure to follow us on Instagram at NV Talks. And we also will put Miss Hira's uh, Insta down below too. So please check her out. She's amazing. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's Marsha and Mega signing, signing off. <laughs>